0: Welcome back to the Energy Fitness Podcast. Today, I've got Jonathan Alba on the show. He had me on, I believe it was episode nine of his podcast, which is very good, very creative, and uh, very to the point on a lot of stuff that I find very interesting. Jonathan has a lot of stuff going on, so I definitely want to pay him back for the platform that he gave me when I was releasing Awakening the Tribal Warrior. So Jonathan, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, dude. Um, man, I found you on IG. I saw your uh, your book making the rounds, and it you know lined up well with my beliefs, and people were giving it good reviews. So that's what prompted me to reach out. So it's uh, it's cool to be you know on your pod- you know on your podcast that you started up. Um, it's weird, kind of sitting in the the opposite chair. I think this is my second time I've been on someone else's podcast. So anyway, for uh, for your listeners, my name is John Alba. I live in, in Texas and uh, I, I, I do a couple of podcasts. I do one with my buddy and then one by myself just because I'm obsessed with t- talking to people and, and learning, you know, different ways of thinking and different ways of doing things. Um, and, you know, our time uh, as creators uh, are conflicted. You know, I'm, we're, we're in different parts of our lives um, and I'm in the this part where I just want to do podcast and and create content as much as possible every day of my entire life. Um, so my podcast is called Our Society with John Alba, and then in doing that podcast, uh, I've been able to talk to pretty amazing people like yourself, man. Like,
0: um, yeah, and and, and Gabe Brown. If anybody doesn't know who Gabe Brown <laughs> is, you need to go get on his podcast and find what, what episode was Gabe? On? Man, what I don't, I don't
1: even remember. It was like, I think it was like one Oh three on curiosity with John and Mike. I, I put it on, on that podcast. Um, even though, oh, it was, okay. yeah, even though it was just by myself, but, uh, yeah, dude, Gabe Brown's the goat, man. He was on uh kiss yeah. the ground, the documentary. Um, and he's out there, man. He's doing good stuff.
0: Oh, he's good, dude. And then you got what? Shanna uh, Shanna Swan coming on soon, right?
1: Yeah, dude, that was awesome. Yeah, I I still can't believe great. I was so nervous talking to her because I've seen her on multiple <laughs> different interviews, and not even just and like Joe Rogan, ah, uh, dude, yeah, not even like mentioning the podcast king himself. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was real nervous about that one. So I I I normally don't like to prepare for podcasts. I like to treat them as if we're going into a coffee shop and just shooting the shit. But for that one, I like, you know, I always try to read if I have an author on, I try to read their books, watch some interviews and stuff, but I don't like to write anything down because then that makes me go into the conversation with like a structured plan. But for that one, I was like, man, I, I need to do some type of prep that way. I don't sound like a complete moron. So yeah, yeah, so that, I was really excited to talk to her. That was probably my favorite podcast I've ever done was with uh, Dr. Shana Chan- sh- Swan. I
0: saw you share that the other day and I was like, what? No yeah. fuck away. Like she, yeah, she's bad. I have her in the book I'm writing now where I'm editing now. I've got her quoted in there several times because she's just, the studies that she was involved in, the stuff that she brought into her book, Countdown, was just unreal. And I tried the same thing when we started the podcast. That I like, wanted to have a guideline to make it easier and whatever. But then like you start talking And nothing fucking sticks to the diagram anyways. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you try, like we forced it in the, in the beginning, like we were like, we're going to go through this and that and it works, but then it, it just feels like newsy. You know what I mean? It feels like a fake production show. The conversation doesn't flow well, but dude, Dr. Shana Swan, man, she's the one that made me get rid of all the plastic in the house. Um, yeah. Like, really, I don't use deodorant and stuff like that. Like, you listen to her talk. In the very beginning, my wife was like, Who's this Shauna girl? Like, why <laughs> are you listening to Shauna? And I was like, Well, she's an old lady, first off. Like, I'm not cheating on you. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, don't get jealous.
1: Yeah. But I told her that, and it was cool, like, full circle, because I've been following her for a couple of years now. And it was just amazing to uh, talk to her. And I try to ask, I, I try to ask different questions from what I've heard on various podcasts that she's been on, which is hard. I mean, especially, yeah. you know, she was on Rogan for three hours talking about it. So right. coming up with like different <laughs> questions was tough. I think I did okay, but it's a lot yeah. of the same stuff you heard her talk about.
0: Did you listen to her podcast? Like all of them before you did? The oh, show to prepare?
1: Well, I re listened to Rogan because that was, that's the longest one. She's been on like five yeah. or six other podcasts, but I did listen to Rogan and, um, and try to think of different ways of asking similar questions. So, yeah. which is oh, tough. Dude, that's dude. badass. So,
0: yeah, so she's been on less than 10 podcasts and you're on, you're one of the ones that she's been on. Oh, I man. think it's, it's awesome. I, I, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that.
1: I mean, she's been, I mean, there's loads of interviews of her on YouTube. Um, so yeah. So I, I feel blessed, man. Cause she's, she's an amazing person.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think it's badass. Like yeah, John and I connected, what, maybe a year ago, maybe not even that long ago on Instagram. And uh and immediately I started seeing all the shit that he was releasing, all the stuff he was into, and it aligns like really similar to how I feel. Like you you do the ice plunges, yep. um, you know, you do the you stay pretty close to the carnivore diet just like I do. I think I actually eat more fruits and veggies than you do. I think you're way more strict about it than I am. I don't know about strict I, man. On, but... <laughs> I don't know about strict,
1: dude. But yeah, I try to be.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's awesome. But you guys need to check John out for sure. And he's also got some other cool shit going on. And I'm a big supporter of Jonathan and what he's got going on because he's helping bring a lot of things together in the ancestral community and the regenerative community too. And I definitely want to talk to you. Let's talk about that first. Yeah. Um, The documentary you're working on. You want to, you want to let everybody know what you got going on there?
1: Yeah, man. So, you know, doing the podcast, we've been doing it, you know, Mike and I have been doing it for about three years now. And then I started mine and it was just to, it was out of curiosity, you know, to talk to people, learn uh, about their life. And it was, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, we wanted to help support local businesses. And that's what it started out with, right? It started out with, we're going to have all of our local businesses on and, and let them promote their stuff. And then, like, 60 episodes in, I started getting this feeling like, man, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like, I'm, I, you know, I, I got a good job, you know, I, I'm not. No, it's just like, I'm talking to all these business owners and entrepreneurs and these authors like yourself and they're doing like amazing thing and they have this spark, this like energy about them. And, uh, I don't have that, you know, I have the podcast and, but I go to work at a corporate job that I don't really, it doesn't fulfill me, but the more and more people that I talk to, dude, like it was just like, it made me like really check myself like, okay, what what do, what do I want to do out of, a, you know, out of my life? I, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to school right now. I'm about to finish my engineering degree. And I thought that this was like what I needed to do, right? I needed to get an engineering degree. I need to cl- climb the corporate ladder. And, and then that will show my kids how to be successful. But the more people I've had on and talked to, I'm like, that's not the life that I want to live. Um, but I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do or, or anything. I just kept talking to people. And I did one podcast with a guy named Taylor Collins. He's the uh, owner and land steward at Rome Ranch in Fredericksburg, Texas. Which he's a co-owner or the owner of Forces of Nature Meat. Um, so oh know, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know, know that brand. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's yeah, sure. it's a pretty big name brand, man. Yeah. And uh, I reached out to that guy, and I didn't even know who the hell I was. You know, I was talking to at the beginning. I just thought he would. He did. A, I, I was looking in Texas for regenerative ranches, and his popped yeah. up. And I didn't even know it was like forces of nature until we started <laughs> the, talking this big
0: name, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, their ancestral blend, like almost every day, at least the pound of it. <laughs>
1: yeah, dude, yeah. it's legit, man. That's, that's all I buy <laughs> now. But, uh, when I talked to him, you know, that really introduced me to the word regenerative agriculture and listening to this guy speak, man, it's just like, he's on another level. Like he's, you know, people put out these vibes and, uh, I'm attracted to that. I I like a want to be around that. That conversation spawned a complete obsession, man. Like, like I was kind of eating healthy, you know, I've never like been off track, I guess, from like the diet and health uh, topics. But that conversation, man, really sparked a fire into me. And I wanted to keep learning about like soil health and chemical impacts and like where my food comes from and stuff like that. So I kept talking to people. I reached out to Taylor again. And uh, I was like, hey, man, who's a soil health expert in Texas that I can talk to? And then he pointed me to a girl named Andy Marsh, which if you're interested, you need to reach out to Andy Marsh. I'll send you her contact info. She's great, dude. She's like a soil health expert. She you uh, had her
0: on your show, didn't
1: you? Yeah, I had her on uh, my podcast. Yeah. 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 Real, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Real early on. She's from Austin and she she she's amazing. dude. She's just an amazing human being. Talk to her. Uh, I I just got more obsessed. And, um, then I watched the, the documentary kiss the ground, which I don't know if you've seen that one, right? That's an amazing documentary. And, uh, one day I was just driving to work and I was not really hating life, but I was like, man, I'm going to this job, doing this job I don't like doing. What can I do? Uh, because everyone has a podcast, right? Anyone, the barrier to entry into a podcast is not hard people can start with a podcast with their phones. Like, anyone can do a podcast and it's hard to separate yourself from doing a podcast. And I, I wanted to keep doing podcasts on regenerative ranching, and almost like do like a regenerative ranching podcast almost. But I was like, eh, that it doesn't, it's, it's not fulfilling. I, I don't think it's challenging enough. It's, you know, it's challenging enough. So I was like, yeah. well, what's the next hardest thing would be a documentary. Um, yeah. I, I've already like developed amazing relationships with, yeah, some pretty key people in the industry. Uh, so I, I kind of kicked around the idea and, um, that I fell in love with it. The more and more I thought about it, like how could I make it separate? Like, like I guess it was kind of the process that I used with Dr. Shana Swan was how can I make it separate from kiss the ground or other regenerative documentaries? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man. So I just, I just chewed on that. I watched kiss the ground documentary like 15 times. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I started researching, and one thing that stuck out on Kiss the Ground was they didn't uh, include the indigenous community enough. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of representation from the indigenous culture, which, if you look in regenerative ranching, uh, you know, it stems a lot from the Native American community, a lot of those principles. Yeah. It's very similar. And I started researching, dude, and it's like I would almost venture to say that. The strife between the Native American community and the regenerative community is almost like, like the culture war, in the okay, in the sense yeah. it's it's very, uh, it, it's tough. Like it's it's real. It's you can cut it with the you know a butter knife. Like it's it's bad. Um, that was sick. Yeah, and and kiss the ground pissed off a lot of people in the Native American community because there wasn't enough representation in that film from, you know, colored people.
0: Yeah. I can see that because they're talking about farming the natural way, the way it should be. And there's indigenous cultures that did it that way for centuries and they're not conversing with them at all. I can see that. Yeah. I could see that as a problem. The,
1: the other thing that I, I took from kiss the ground was that it was very Hollywood esque. Like there was a lot of Hollywood people in it. Um, there were land practitioners like Gabe Brown he's a true land practitioner um, and, and, and Ray Archuleta, like there were true people that practice what they preach in that film. But then I, so I saw that as another plus that well, I can get like real practitioners to be part of this film that the people that are doing like real studies that are, are providing real updates and, and really speaking to consumers. So that led me down a road of like, I don't know, five or six months, man. I just started reaching out to people. And I started building this, this team. So I got 18 people, 19 people that have agreed to be part of this film. Um, they're, they're researchers from, you know, Colorado state university. There's like two universities in, in America that are, are prominent in regenerative agriculture. And I got, I got like three of the main people. Uh, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and I started learning, man, the community is small. Like I, I would reach out to this person. I'd talk to them. They'd be like, Hey, I'm game. And I'm like, cool. And they would ask, well, who else do you have a part of this? And I would tell them "They're like, Oh yeah, I'll work with that person. Like, I'm like, man, this community <laughs> is a lot smaller than, than I thought it was. Um, but I was struggling to add the native American aspect, get people on board. There's two yeah. big um, organizations. And I I forget what their organizations are at the top of my head, but there's there's two big organizations in in America that represent the Native American community from a sustainable agriculture perspective, and I I reached out like three or four times, man, and met with three or four different people, and they didn't want to be any part of it because of who I had on the documentary oh, to begin with. Okay, yeah. So it, it's it's tough. So I, the film will, tra- will add a little bit, uh, will include a little bit about this like culture. I don't want to call it a war, but it's a misunderstanding, I think because if you look at the principles yeah. from each aspect, if you look, if you put up the principles of regenerative agriculture and you put up uh, the Native American, whatever you want to call it, it's agro uh, sustainable, whatever name you want to put it. If you put them up and you compare them, they're all similar. Like they're all saying yeah. the same thing. Um, so I'll, I hope to bridge this community a little bit. Like that's one of the goals of the documentary. So filming will start this year uh, around March timeframe, and we're going to start going to each of these uh, farms and ranches and, and getting in-person interviews. And then start going to uh, these universities, the universities and teaming up with the researchers, getting their input will be, I got a whole like team of videographers, um, drone cameramen, camera people, photographers and all that stuff. Um, and then I've created a nonprofit to help support this project. Um, so yeah, so I'll be, be, you know, hustling for, uh, donations soon to, to help support the, the creation of this project. Cause these filming, like, you know, I've essentially hired videographers without paying the money up front uh, with a promise that money's (laughs) coming. So kind of you know like, I'm not a film director or anything like that, but it's something I'm passionate about. Um, yeah. and I have, I have a couple of other documentaries in mind that I want to do after, after this one, but yeah, man, the goal of, of, of biodiversity, it, it's called biodiversity, a sustainable footprint. The goal of is, is to bridge that gap from the native American community. And I guess you can call them the white farmers because they're yeah. both talking about the same thing, but also educate consumers. Um, in every podcast that I did, especially with, with Gabe Brown and, uh, and Taylor, you know, farmers don't have the power to make change. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and it's the we can't depend on the government to make change. The only people that that really have the power are the consumers. And every person that I talk to about regenerative agriculture or sustainable agriculture practices have all said the same thing: like we we have to educate consumers to really be the change. Um, so that's the goal. The goal is to bridge that those two communities, and and provide an education to people about sustainable agriculture practices and how it impacts soil health, human health, and our climate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something huge. That uh, That's a big thing for Caitlin and I, too, is to get people to understand that. Because it's way more important than just nutritionally. It's huge to eat regeneratively. But for the planet and for our whole community, there's is, is a whole planet that is huge. We just had a, a local regenerative farmer here on the show. I don't know when we'll release that episode, but. Uh, Her name's Carice. Mm. If you want, I can try to get in contact with her, too. If there's any... I mean, she's up here in New Pittsburgh, um, but they just opened a couple years ago. She was a naturopathic doctor from California, and Mm. she felt like she couldn't get her clients the proper nutrition to fix their ailments. Mm. And so she she left the naturopathic doctor world and opened a regenerative farm with her husband. Um, just so happened to be here across the country from where she was, but that's awesome, um, man. I think it's huge. So what's the, what is the gap between like the new regenerative farming system and like the na- natives that do it? What, like, what is it that there's no acknowledgement and respect given to the practices? Is that where it comes from?
1: I think a lot of it is that uh, is, is, um, the people that are getting the shine and and the and the accolades from you know universities and and media outlets are the these white farmers um yeah. and I think that's where a lot of this resentment comes from and but you know the the folks that I do have from the Native American community a part of this documentary now have been real open about this strife between the two and and they said you know candidly that, and I hope they repeat this on the documentary, but they said that, you know, the native American community is very, um, uh, not secretive, but they, they hold their values close and they don't share those yeah. values with just anybody. And, yeah, and well, they have
0: a lot of reason to do that right. because of stuff like this. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. And they yep. don't, they don't, um, you have to be trusted if yep. they're going to share these, these value, you know, sustainable agriculture practices. um, And some of this, uh, you know, media coverage only on white farmers is stemming because there's not enough people from their community talking about it. And if you compare, you know, like uh, white oak pastures or, you know, Rome Ranch, they're out there on social media talking about there's this other cool guy um, from Texas. uh, His name's Austin Dillon. He runs a regenerative farm called uh, Counterculture Farms here in Texas. And he's another guy, dude. It, he's just in your face, tells it how it is. Yeah. He doesn't sugarcoat it, and he, he's posting content, and yeah. he's getting noticed by a lot of different people. And I think that's the difference, um, why there's different media coverages. But um, it's it's definitely there, dude. The, it's it's something you know. And as a I don't even like to call myself a minority, but God, I think I think Mexicans are, t- are, are 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 taking over America now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's uh there, there's something there that that needs to be addressed and i thought that yes. i would be able to garner support a lot easier because i am hispanic and yeah. i am a, yeah. i'm not white but i wasn't able yeah, to that's
0: like you almost get a little bit of trust showing up it, it's funny you said that because my older brother looks amish and he mm. lives in amish country in southern michigan yeah. and so he got that like you're saying like just kind of show up to an Amish farm and they're already like, Oh, Hey, you know, I I,
1: I thought that I would be able to, you know, gain their support easily. And, uh, I wasn't able to, man, it it was tough. Like I spent probably six to eight weeks trying to get people that I would read in the news, news articles, different kind of studies. And it was tough. So, but it was very important to me and I'm glad that I, I got the people that I did. Um, I think they're a great fit. So it's exciting, dude, like we you know all, all these people are scattered all across the country. Um from Washington DC, there's a professor in New York. Um there's people in California. I mean, it's it's everywhere. So um yeah, we'll be traveling a lot this year uh doing this film, man. So I'm excited, dude. I'm I hope to have a yeah, finished product by by early 2024 and then we'll start yeah. h- hitting the film festival markets that year.
0: I can't wait, dude. I, I think he's badass. I, I think that's badass. If if you get into contact with Chris and you come up this way, you always got a place to stay. So I oh, appreciate <laughs> that, dude.
1: I'll, I'll definitely make it that way, man.
0: She <laughs> actually, I just thought about this. They actually have an Airbnb on their property too. That's really pretty nice. So that might even work out for you too, dude. If heck, you know, no. if it works out. Like, like heck that. yeah, dude. Are you so when you when you get a hold of like the indigenous tribes and stuff? Are you telling them when they kind of when they don't come back with a, yeah I want to do this? Or are you like bro? That's why <laughs> you're not getting credit where it's due is because you're unwilling to, to be a part of it.
1: You know, I, I, I want to, and, and a lot of them. So I, I have this whole like pitch deck, like I looked up, you know, like I said, I don't know anything about like making a documentary other than like what I've been able to do on the podcast, like film stuff on the podcast. Um, yeah. so I looked up how to, how to get people to be part of the documentary and, uh, on YouTube and it, it was like, you need to make a pitch deck. Right. So I was like, all right, cool. So then I YouTube, like how to make a pitch deck. And, uh, so I created this, this, this pitch deck that had like the purpose and like the outline of the film. And I started adding the people like Taylor from Rome ranch, Andy Marsh, and a couple of other people. And I would send it to all these people. So then before I added the native American community, I had like 12 people already and they're awesome names. Um, and I had some people that are, are very well respected in the native American community outright tell me that they wouldn't be part of this documentary because a lot of these people are racist. And I was like, well, they're racist. Why would they be like, I'm Mexican? Like you could see like in the pitch deck, like I'm, I'm not racist. Like my wife is white. Like, so yeah, man, I wanted to, I I wanted to be like, dude, did you even look at it? Did you look at the team? In fact, our creative team, there's two African-Americans that are videographers. They're the main videographers. Racist. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and then there's me, who's Mexican. So the whole creative team are minorities, and yeah. I, I truly, be- I don't think anyone in this film is racist at all. But uh, <laughs> if they were, I don't think they would want us coming on their place, and they would every one of them have said, you know, hey, when you come film, we got places for you to stay. Uh, you yeah. know, we'll put you up for you know the three or four days that you're in, and I don't think they would allow that you know especially no, when you do that <laughs> yeah especially because i'm nobody right i'm not like a netflix guy right i'm not i'm I'm just some, not, yet. not I'm, <laughs> yet. I'm just some random dude reaching out to all these people and uh if they were racist or they had any kind of prejudice in them they would have wrote me off and said no from the get-go yeah so yep. um i don't really buy that and I, yeah there's sometimes dude i got frustrated and i was like man come on. Like I, I, it's important. And I read article after article that, you know, we're not being included we're not being included and you know, our voices aren't heard. And I was like, I'm trying to include your voice here. You know what I mean? I'm trying really hard. Um, but I got a, I got a good, a good, amazing group of, of people to be part of it, dude. And I'm excited.
0: I, th- I think it's awesome, man. I can't wait for it to come out. I can't wait for you to start posting content on, on it because I'm, I'm excited. I love the regenerative community. I think it's me personally that, and Caitlin, like we think that that is the next step for yes. improving overall human health, planet's health. That, that's I think it has to be the next step. And I think that people like you that are bringing it to the forefront in people's faces, I, I think it's super important. I think you guys are going to help really push that to make sure that people, because there's a lot of reasons why, like it's not just a push like, oh, go plant based on some bullshit that doesn't actually help anybody. Like regenerative farming is, is real and it's true and it actually is good for everybody. And I, and it's also very sustainable too. Um, so I'm excited to see that come to fruition, man. Yeah, uh, I'm, me I'm too, man.
1: I appreciate that dude. And, and you know, throughout this process, I did learn that the term, even the term regenerative agriculture is, it can be divisive depending on who you're talking to. Um, so that was a new learning too. And that, you know, I learned that from the people that I got on eventually to be part of it. they were like, I was telling them my struggles and getting people. And they were like, well, part of it is because you're using the, the, the word regenerative. Like that's, that's not the right word to use. That's not like an inclusive word to certain communities. Um, so what what do you
0: call it then? There's different
1: words. Well, that's what I was saying. If you put, it's different verbiage for each community. One is agro agro ecological farming. Some people just that's use mouthful. yeah. Some people just use yeah. just sustainable farming. So I started like shifting my email communications up a little bit, depending on who I was talking to, um, yeah. which 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 helped a little bit. But yeah, even the term regenerative agriculture can be divisive depending on who you're talking to
0: never thought about that That i
1: I. I was like holy shit that's my problem
0: (laughs) i've been using the wrong word the whole time for the same thing oh that's funny yeah that's really funny you know i'm i'm super excited about that if uh for everyone listening or watching out there definitely go on what the the instagram for it is Biodiversity, the documentary, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Biodiversity, the documentary. We don't, we don't have anything posted yet. We'll start posting content uh, probably in March, March or April. Okay,
0: we'll, we'll follow it. That way, you're ready to see it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, hey, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll flash the other two real quick. Um, you can also follow Jonathan at J Alba on Instagram, and then your podcast is at Our Society, right?
1: Right. Our Society. And then there's
0: also. Uh, was a curiosity with John and Mike yep. is the other podcast as well. Yep. So, well, that that's pretty badass. The biodiversity documentary is going to be sick as hell. I want to also ask you about your the our signature touch um, cosmetic brand that you and your wife are launching. Yeah. Um, I'm also super excited about this because Kate and I are are also huge into this. Kate used to be a cosmetologist and used to do hair and makeup and stuff for weddings, so she's she's really excited about this too. I keep telling her. Every time we talk about the new stuff you're doing with it, I keep telling her, and she's excited too. So
1: that's awesome, man. Yeah, let oh, us know. I, I appreciate it, dude. So that that started. You know, I work uh, in the Gulf Coast. I work for a large chemical company, one of the largest in the world. And um, my daughter came down one night, and she was breaking out all over her face. And uh, I started asking her what she's using, and she brought it downstairs, and. Everything that she was making, we made as a chemical company in the plant. And, and she was using that for like face cleansing and, you know, pimple stuff and acne restoration. And in order for our operators, the people in the plant to handle those chemicals, they have to wear PPE, like protective personal equipment. They have to wear gloves. They have to wear suits. And I was like, you're putting that shit on your face. Like if we have to, you know, protect ourselves from it because of whatever reason and we're putting it in a tube and then we're giving it to our kids. So uh, the, the idea was, you know, was to look at ways to use natural things. Um, and I know when I bring up like natural remedy stuff, like that can kind of like, Oh, this guy's woo woo. I'm definitely not that guy. Like I, I, I uh, I, you know, essential oils and stuff. Like I'm, I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know if I believe in it all the way. Um, yeah. but I started looking into like what the native Americans used back in the day for skincare and for hair care and everything that popped up, even all the way back to the Roman empire was beef fat and some type of plant oil, whether it's, um, you know, mango butter, um, you know, shea butter, depending on what region you were in. But another thing Did that popped mango out, butter, mango butter. I didn't know that was a thing, dude. Yeah, me neither. Man. Yeah. <laughs> how do they do that? Well, I want to know about this. Now. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't look into it a whole lot, but it's made from the seed, the the juices and the uh. seed, I believe. Um, so apparently, it it's really like it's a a lot. It, it's a it's more moisturizing than shea butter. Uh, so it sounds, sounds it sounds good. I love mangoes, (laughs) but, uh, you know, so I didn't look into that one a whole lot because I I ran across that native Americans in Texas use prickly pear oil for, for everything from medicinal use for skin nourishment, for hair use, um, to protect their skin, everything like that. And I was like, Hmm. So I started looking up there's, I mean, you, if you, if you look up like tallow skincare products, there's a bunch of them. There's a lot of big yep. name brands. And here in, in Texas, there's um, theres place called Flying Cow Tallow. and they they're pretty big. They have like uh, I think they have three storefronts in Texas. And I started looking at a lot of their products, and um, they look great. The, the website looks I, I actually hope to get them on my podcast to talk to them and help promote them. Um, yeah. But uh, a lot of these tallow places use either use olive oil or use coconut oil and I didn't find one that used his, uh, prickly pear oil. And I think the reason is, is because it's so damn expensive. Um, uh, okay. you can get, you know, mango butter or olive oil or coconut oil, like pretty cheap on the dollar and you yeah. can get it in large batches, but it's hard to find high quality prickly pear oil and, uh, in large quantities at that. So we are, I think we were able to find some, you know, some really good products to source from. And, uh, we started making it. We started making like chapstick. We started making little tallow balm and stuff like that. Um, we actually used some recently on my daughter's eye. She got bit by a spider. And like, coincidence or not, man, like her eye was swollen like a damn baseball. And within hey. within like three hours, it was virtually gone. And what? Almost, yeah, it was crazy. Like it was almost like too good to be true. Like, I was like, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not the tallow. But <laughs> we did put it on and then it started going away. Like, right. So I, I don't know what it is, but um, so, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing, man. We're going to start off with um, kind of tallow body butter. We'll probably have four or five different scents. Um, once we, you know, kick off and we'll have two different types of chapstick. Our My hope, if it does well, my hope is to start expanding to more products like underarm deodorant, more tallow yeah. lotion, some dish soap, body soap, stuff like that. And even getting into candles and it all kind of centers around like sustainable methods and, and using yeah. whole parts of the animal and not lathering ourselves with these endocrine disrupting chemicals and you know, putting it all yeah. over our bodies. And that's, that's the goal, man. So, um, yeah, it's, it's called our signature touch and we'll probably launch around the same time the documentary film and starts, So March or April, is when it's gonna be busy. Yeah, man. Luckily my wife is is, is gonna help some so or a lot. So yeah, but I mean we're doing everything ourselves. Um you know everything is gonna be made in small batches. No plastic is going to be you know introduced to the chemicals or not the chemicals, the products or anything like that. And we were able to source really high quality therapeutic and organic essential oils, which that's a whole nother topic, man. If you wanna try to find like legit essential oils and you know companies that um show rev- their their qu- their quality testing you know process they're they're not there's not a lot of transparency in that they'll say like hey we we batch test all of our our oils and blah 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 we do all these things but not a lot of companies show those results and the company that we were able to find um show the results um on their website so nice it's yeah.
0: uh yeah so yeah, so, it, so it's legit it's the real deal like you're not because yeah. so many people in this in the especially in beauty beauty is like the beauty well you know since you're starting out beauty industry is so fucked oh, they, yeah. they use the most companies use the cheapest products and they put it in this cute plastic package full of phthalates and and parabens and all this nasty garbage and mix it with as much chemical nonsense like you said you should be wearing PPE to handle right. and they put it all together and sell it for $80 yep. and, uh, and these young women are wiping it all over their faces young men you're putting it in their armpits and spraying it on themselves and they wonder why they're infertile and you know they, they their hormones are up and down like a damn roller coaster so I love what you're doing and then you're not even putting it in garbage material you're putting it in but I'm assuming glass, probably.
1: So yeah. So yeah. the the tallow butter will be in glass. We're trying to find a good chapstick that's truly biodegradable. So right now, and I didn't. I hate even saying that, but to be transparent, right now we're using plastic, and that's simply because you can Google right now biodegradable uh, chapstick wear, but that doesn't mean that everything in that chapstick is biodegradable. So like maybe the outside layer of the chapstick is biodegradable, but the inside tube is not. So it's hard to do chapstick
0: in glass. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean,
1: (laughs) yeah, we thought about doing the lip balm. Um, and maybe we'll still do that, but Oh
0: yeah. Like a little, like a little jar,
1: a little one, like a little ounce or two ounce jar or something. Um, So that's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to get to truly like out of plastic. So I hate even saying that we have to use plastic, but there's not anything on the market. Like I talked to a couple of guys that were like, well, yeah, 90% of this is biodegradable. And I was like, well, what about the other? Yeah. What about the other 10%? Like what, you know, (laughs) so even if you think that you're buying a biodegradable chapstick, 99.999% of the time you're not. It it just doesn't uh, re- doesn't really exist out there, um, yeah. which is a shame. And that, that make that made me kind of think like, well, maybe I, that's something else I should make. Like, why yeah, not it make like the,
0: the Jonathan Alba patent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. About <laughs> yeah,
1: so it's that's so for right now the chapstick will be in plastic, uh, but it'll be at the cleanest plastic that we can find, which is you know it is what it is right now. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. the tallow butter and everything else. Um, will be in, in jars. And then the underarm deodorant will be, you can actually find underarm deodorant containers that are biodegradable, which is odd. Um, yeah. But you can't, yeah, find no ch- shit. you can't find chapstick ones.
0: Yeah. It's like an extra large chapstick container.
1: <laughs> we, and, and we thought about that too, dude. We thought about like, well, maybe we just <laughs> make it extra large, but that, that looks silly, you know, like a big ass. <laughs> that looked kind of weird. Oh,
0: that'd be hilarious, though. <laughs> just walk around in the wintertime with this deodorant stick of
1: chapstick. <laughs> uh, so that's the goal, man. The goal is, uh, and, and and I don't want to have this like mentality of like only my product is the best product. Like my mentality of this is, if you don't use Signature Touch, find someone else local in your area that's making tallow products or you know organic clean products. The goal is not to just sell my stuff. The goal is to get people off of the bad stuff. Um, yeah. So that's why I've, I've reached out to a few people already in Texas and outside of Texas that make tallow products. And they're going to be on the podcast. And I let them know, like, hey, I'm about to start my own line, but I don't want it to be like, yeah, it's competitive in nature. That It is what it is. But the goal is to educate people about what clean products look like and what they do for yeah. your health and, and get them off the bad stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's the same. I feel like regenerative farmers, like back to the documentary, I feel like they're a lot similar to that in the same aspect. Like I've never, you see, other farmers, you know, they fight about their products and stuff, but I've never seen a like someone who's into it because it's good for everybody right. that that fights with the neighboring farm, you know, that's also regenerative. Like it's it's a very collaborative community. Right. I think it needs to be. Uh, otherwise, those things will never they'll never reach the broad spectrum, and most people. A lot of people, like, uh, we were talking to some of our members here at the gym about having Carice, the regenerative farmer that's local on our podcast, and they were like, what is regenerative farming? Mm. I'm like, what? You know, like, this day and age, you don't know. Like, that's why it's important to do that, and especially the tallow. Like, most people don't know, you know, what they're putting on their skin. Right. They have no idea that it's just disrupting their whole endocrine system. It's destroying their hormones. And it makes them smell good for a couple hours, but in the meantime, it's fucking them up.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And it's it's tough too because, you know, in short of doing an education campaign and sounding like a too salesy of a person, yeah. like I, I, I want to be careful how I come off, especially across our social media, because I don't want it to be like we're preaching. Um, yeah. I just want to be able to provide a, a, a better alternative and and uh, if people like it. And it, it, it's... If you haven't, I'm sure you, have you used tallow lotion or anything yeah. or tallow, yeah. you know, but it's amazing. Uh, like I've been using it, it for a few months now and I don't have to use nearly as much product at all.
0: Um, no, not nearly. Yeah. We, we source from a, it's called North Star Bison. It's a regenerative farm in Wisconsin. Then um, we just buy a bar of tallow soap every time we order uh, like, food from them. And it's, you know, it, the soap is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually moisturizes your skin instead of leaving you dry and shit afterwards. And yeah. maybe even the next time you shower, you don't have to reapply it because you already, like I'm the same way as you. I don't wear deodorant unless I'm going to a wedding and I'm going to wear a suit all day long. Like right. I don't, I, I work out a couple of times a day here in the gym. We do the saunas and the ice baths and maybe five years ago I would stunk to high <laughs> heaven. But when you eat right and you don't use those chemicals on your body, you just don't you just don't stink. And people will have a really hard time believing that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I can tell real quickly. Um, you know, when I've been going off the rails with, you know, eating, you know, wings or something, like if we go out to eat and then the next day it's like, I stink. Like I can smell my freaking pits, but if I eat clean, uh, even after I exercise, I don't stink, which is odd because I've been conditioned to think that I need to buy this underarm deodorant Um, I'd even be happy not selling people my underarm deodorant and telling them, Hey, if you just eat better, you don't have to put on underarm deodorant. That would be the way to go. I think.
0: (laughs) Right. That's the real deal right there. But in the cases where you do need it, it'd be great to have something like what you're offering. that's not covered in aluminum and all these chemicals that are going straight. I mean, your lymph runs right through there too. And like, I know a lot of people that get these, like, um, like their armpits swell up and shit, mm. like almost like blisters in their armpits, and a lot of that has to do with the lymph system being blocked by all them chemicals in the deodorant. And so, if you have something like tallow based with some prickly pear in it, you know you're also cleansing at yeah. the same time. <laughs>
1: you know, it, it's crazy. Uh, Doctor Shana Swan shared that, um, and in the U.S., we only have like eleven chemicals that are banned. And if you compare our banned chemicals in the cosmetic industry. To the EU, they have over 11,000 chemicals that are banned from their cosmetic care product lines. And it's just, it's, the difference is, is insane. It's mind-boggling. Like, why why are we in, in America, it's almost like we're reactive rather than proactive. And the EU, yeah. I'm not saying it's like the right approach, but they're more like, you're going to prove that these are actually safe before we use them. In America, yeah, it's think, like, we yeah. use them, and then if it's bad, then we'll recall them. But... It's yeah. not the other way around. Yeah, and, and in the
0: U.S., they have to wait years and have all this evidence of, of what it caused in people before they'll eliminate it. I think it should be the other way. These new chemicals should be guilty until proven innocent and not the opposite. Right. I think that's huge, yeah. Well, I And mean, we both know why it's, it's that way in the U.S. and it's you know, money talks. But...
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and another thing, too, about the tallow, I was, I, you know, I wanted to put in as less chemicals as I, or inputs that I can. So there's only three, there's, that's the tallow prickly pear oil and, uh, uh, and essential oil. Sometimes there'll be two dependent on the scent. So, yeah. you know, three or four inputs to make a product. And then I was like, man, you know, what's the shelf life. And the shelf life is about a year. It's about 12 months. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Ta- tallow is that's, the, that's really good. Yeah. Tallow and vitamin uh, and, uh, and prickly pear oil have, Really strong antioxidants that can help keep it, um, you know, stable for about twelve months. Um, but the recommendation that we're going to be put in is to use it between eight and twelve months. But if you compare that that's with the industry standard, which is like two years or three years, like that's it's not as good. But it's because they put all these like chemicals. So for for a couple of months there, I started thinking I was like, okay, what is the cleanest stabilizer? Um, that I could use to keep it fresh, but there's there's really nothing that really exists to you know to maintain that shelf life. So if we right. really want to be natural, it has to be within eight or twelve months. Like that's just yeah. it is what it is. So
0: I feel like a year's a long time. A year is a long time. A you, a long only, time. Yeah. you know, two to three ingredients, and you're you're talking about tallow and prickly pear oil, and maybe an essential oil for like a scent. Like you're, I feel like a year is a long time. Like I don't even know if I've ever had a stick of deodorant or anything lasts that long anyways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people get confused about, um, I I was just talking to someone the other day and I was, I referred to tallow. There's a, there's a local lady, and I I forget her name right now, but she also makes some soaps with tallow. Um, And they were like almost, they started because they don't know who I am and how I feel about that. And they were kind of like making fun of it. And I was like, uh, it's real funny. You, you wipe in chemicals that are fucking up your boner in right. your armpits every day. So, you know, that's really funny. And they, it led to this whole conversation about tallow. And they were like, oh, well, tallow's got a stink, doesn't it? Like, it really doesn't have much of a smell at all. Like, if you cook with it, yeah. But how fucking hot are your armpits getting? Like, right, <laughs> you, right. You know? But I was curious. I was going to ask you, what does the prickly pear oil smell like?
1: It's got a, hmm, it's got like a nutty scent to it. So I actually, I'm, I'm actually, so I'm, I'm fighting hair loss. Uh, I'm going bald. It just runs in my family, dude. And, uh, one of the benefits is, is supposedly regrowing hair. Um, and people have been using it for, for decades, um, to regrow hair and stop hair loss. So I've been using it. I, I don't, I'm not saying that I can see a result, but I don't, I don't think I'm losing hair quite as fast. Um, so it, it, when I put it on, it, it doesn't smell good or bad. It just has like a nutty scent to it, um, is what it smells like. And I'm sure it depends, you know, where you get it from and where you source it from. So like I said, I I think that really matters. Um, another good thing about, uh, prickly pear oil is that it's cold pressed rather than heated to extract, which is huge to me. And that's how we try to source all of our essential oils as well. It's only, um, it's not degraded at all. Uh, yeah. so, it's so it only, keeps all the nutrients exactly yeah, that's good yeah so that's another benefit um i think um i think coconut oil is also cold pressed but it's it's the process is is pretty extensive whereas uh, prickly pear oil the process is pretty simple compared to uh, you know the other oils that are uh, on the market
0: do you know to like how uh, prickly pear cactus they only grow like pretty not, like not very far from the equator right like we're talking about like a pretty pretty simple zone uh, broad spectrum as far as where they grow right so the your prickly fair's got to be coming from pretty local I yeah. would assume
1: yeah yeah we're trying to source it from as local as possible so it's not yeah. it's not always in Texas and that's another cool right. thing of um, with the tallow I'll be teaming up with the ranches that I've connected with. Um, yeah. in the coming months and I'll be sourcing tallow from them and I'll be so we'll be able to like identify uh, for people on our on our social media like hey this you know batch this next batch for the next two months will be sourced from you know X Ranch and we'll be able to that's like cool. you know, tag them until we run out of that product and then we'll buy it from another ranch um,
0: yeah that's but, really cool I think that's really big that's really big for buyers to be able to see that everybody wants transparency right and you're offering you can't get any more transparent than that yeah. like like there's three ingredients in it and right. I'll tell you exactly what farm the tallow came from. You exactly. Can check them out, see their practices. Yeah. That's yeah. huge.
1: Yeah. And they're selling beef, they're selling steaks and all you can go you buy, you buy, you know, the meat and then come buy the tallow. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. I think
0: that's cool. So, but we definitely, once you get launched, um, I already talked to you about it, you let us know. And, uh, and we're hoping to be able to provide it here in, in studio for our members as well. So, um, for any of the members that listen to this podcast, Definitely, you know, hopefully sometime around March, whatever you launch. And after that, hopefully we'll be able to start stocking some of that for everybody.
1: Awesome. Man. I'm excited. To use I appreciate it. that. dude. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I, I, you know, Oh, definitely,
0: man. That's this awesome. This community, this community is huge. And like you, like you said in the beginning and just so everybody knows, uh, John has helped me a fuck ton, like launching this podcast because I am technically, uh, <laughs> not there. So there, there's so not technologically. So many things technologically have lost. Like even the beginning of this podcast, I was like, John, I need your help, man. So he's been he's been there and John's a real one. And, um, and this whole community has been, um, it's been really fun. It, this whole thing, just bringing everybody together and you've brought together a bunch of people in your community. And like you said, you started local and that's where we've been up here too. And just sitting down and talking to people like you and like all the other guests we've had, it is extremely fulfilling to talk to other people that have, some badass shit going on. Like, like I always think like, yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on. Like I, you know, I got some cool shit, but then I talk to other people and I'm like, fuck, you guys are, you guys really got it going on. Like, like John's got the, he's got the documentary. He's got two podcasts. He's got, um, you know, the, the cosmetic brand coming out, like that's, that's a lot of shit, man. That's good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. I, I feel the same way. Like I, you know, sometimes I sit and, and think like, man, what am I really, I still like, even last night I was working on the documentary and I was like, man, what am I, am I doing enough? Like, am I doing like, am I doing things that I'm, I'm, that make me happy? And I always get reassured by talking to people like you, because like I said, I I go to my daily job and it drains me. It's like, ugh, like, I don't want to be doing this, but then I get to talk to people like yourself, um, who are authors and freaking just open a gym and it like surrounding myself with people like that as much as I can and helps me stay inspired. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How does it feel being on the other end of the podcast instead of asking so many questions? How does it feel answering and actually talking about what you have going on?
1: It feels good. It made me it makes yeah. me it makes me Um, I think I need to relax more on my podcast. I, you know, I've done like yes. 150 episodes or 140, I wow. guess, t- between the two podcasts. And yeah. um, I still think I get a little tensed up and I don't like flow as well as I want to. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's making me, you know, like check myself a little bit. So it's nice. Oh, no shit. Sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> I think you flow pretty good. So that's, it's funny though. Cause like you listen to your own stuff. Like I, I listened to one episode the other day that we had with, um, Jen, a sound healer. And I was like, man, that like, it was a good episode. I'm right. like, man, I'm like, I'm impressed. You know? yeah. I don't like listen to myself talk. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like your, your voice sounds so weird. Yeah. Um, like on a speaker, but I'm like, man, that is like, that was a fulfilling conversation. Like that was good. Like it, I don't know. It just, the way it feels, it feels right. And then there's, you listen to some other recordings and you're like, nah, I can't, that's bad. I got to redo that or whatever.
1: I did one yesterday with this professor out of Canada. Uh, he's, he's kind of speaking out against diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there were, those were white (laughs) people. Um, uh, yeah, lives of TikTok, man. They're a good follow on Twitter.
0: Yeah, that was the video that you shared. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was really funny. Hey, well, and it, it's become a thing now where people can just slap that if they're if they're not white, they can slap that term on something and just win an argument. Yeah. And most people are like, OK, yeah,
1: I'm because, sorry. yeah, if 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 someone says, well, you know, I'm not being you know, that group is not being inclusive enough or they're not diverse enough, then what do you say? you can't say yeah, he anything. Like, even if someone told me that, I'm like, well, shit, like, I can't say anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, backed like oh, me, I'm backed in a corner. Yeah. I'm backed <laughs> in a corner now. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting, I, man.
0: I, I think it's funny. Well, we, we kind of went pretty far off the rails on that. So <laughs> Sorry okay. about that. Sorry um, about that. <laughs> 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 no, you good, man. I, I, I could bullshit all day long. Maybe that's why I like doing the podcast thing so much, too. But, um, well, let's wrap it up. Okay. Um, yeah, man. Where, so where can people find you at? You want to let everybody know where they can find you? So yeah, man. So they can your product and document?
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess the easiest way to follow me is uh on Instagram at uh, J Alba on IG. And then from there, I got all my other stuff linked, the biodiversity and signature touch on my IG account. So that's probably the best way.
0: Easy. That's easy.
1: Yep.
0: So follow them on Instagram. And then follow the biodiversity documentary and the podcast. And then uh, you got a link tree too set up, don't you? Yeah. So yeah. Can check out. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, okay. all, it's all right there yeah. on IG.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. Fun, and thank you, John.
1: This was fun. I appreciate you asking, man. I, I love everything that you and your wife are doing, and, 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 and I'm big fans, man. So when your wife has that cookbook, let me know, man, and I'll have her on the. podcast. Oh, she's
0: working on. It. She's finally got a title for it. She's she just keeps adding stuff. It just keeps growing and growing. And yeah, yeah, she's the intuitive cook. Nice. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to be her title. Yes, yeah, so that's a good one. It's it's coming, man. But she's she's in no rush, you know.
1: All right. <laughs> let me know,
0: man. <laughs> but definitely will, man. I'm really glad you came on. I really wanted you. Um, when we decided that we were going to, you know, go with the podcast and, uh, and start doing it, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get John on because he's got like, like you, like you have your platforms, but you don't talk about what you have going on very often and you got a lot of cool shit going on. So I wanted to help you promote and talk about that. And I really wanted to get, I just wanted to get you on. So I'm really glad.
1: I appreciate the love, man.
0: Awesome. Well, that's all folks.
1: Rock on, man. Talk to you later, bro.
0: (laughs) All right, brother. Bye.